This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Hey, struck out. goes down. That's eight. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him, line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Welcome to our latest program as we begin the month of June in this 25th anniversary season. On the program today, you'll learn more about outfielder Jose Siri and what's made this season special to him. Brian Anderson will be with us from Valley Sports Sun to review the first two months and to look ahead. We'll chat with Vice President of Player Personnel for the race, Kevin Eibach, about how they look at possible transactions this time of year. Plus, we'll preview another 25th anniversary podcast, this one with Andrew Friedman and Jake McGee. Coming up on This Week in Rays Baseball, it's Jose Siri. Where does he get all that energy from? And how comfortable does he now feel less than a year after being traded here? Find out after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and our featured guest this week is Jose Siri, joined by translator Manny Navarro. Thanks so much for your time. Conmigo están Jose Siri y Manny. Gracias por tu tiempo. No, eh, gracias a usted por, por estar presente, por tenerme pendiente y nada. Uh, un placer. Oh, thank you. Thank you for thinking of me and, and for, for putting me out here, and, and it's a pleasure. How much fun are you having right now? ¿Cuándo te diviertes ahora con, con este equipo? ¿Qué tanto te diviertes con este equipo? Bueno, me divierto mucho. Eh, me siento eh, libre. Puedo ser yo y no. Me siento bastante cómodo. Uh, having a lot of fun here. I feel a lot, very free, and on this team, I feel very comfortable. Is this the most fun you've had in baseball? ¿Es esto lo más divertido que has tenido en el baseball? Eh, sí, eh, lo más divertido que he tenido en el baseball. Eh, eh, lo que también me ha pasado, eh, una, ha sido una de las cosas que me ha pasado en mi, en mi vida bien. Yeah, I'm having the most fun I've ever had playing baseball and just in general in my life as well. You have been with five organizations. Is this the place where you're most comfortable? Has estado con cinco organizaciones. Es este el lugar donde te sientes más cómodo y por qué? Eh, bueno, puedo decir que sí. Es el lugar que yo he estado más cómodo por el trato y, y la forma también que me han dicho que yo puedo estar aquí. Tú sabes, eh, la forma de jugar, puedes, o sea, puedes estar libre, eh, puedes jugar, jugar tu juego y esas cosas. Yeah, I definitely feel comfortable here. Uh, they let me be myself. They let me be be free. Um, and I understand that they're going to give me the opportunity to be out there and be free. Tell me about the necklaces. Dime la historia de, de los collares uh, que estás usando. Eh, bueno, los collares que yo estoy usando es por, hecho por un amigo mío que vive en Miami. 
Eh, me gusta, tú sabes, el estilo, me gusta cómo se ven y cómo brillan. Eh, no es algo de que, que es real, pero es algo con lo que yo me siento cómodo. Yeah, one of my friends uh, in Miami is the one that makes them. Um, I, I like them. I like the style. I like the, the brightness. Um, it may not, they might not be real, but I like the way I feel when I have them on. What does it mean that your teammates are now wearing them? Que la significa de tus compañeros están usando los collares ahora? No, tú sabes la energía que me transmite, la vibra que transmite, tú sabes. Se vio bien cuando ellos dijeron que ellos querían usarlo también para tener esa misma vibra. Uh, the the energy that transmits to them and the the vibes that that they were getting from me is is really the vibes that I was trying to get as well. Tell me about Kevin Cash's visit to your house in the winter. How important was it uh, for this year? Dime de la visita de Kevin Cash a tu casa en el invierno. ¿Qué tan importante fue por por esta temporada? Eh, fue muy importante porque eh, fue sincero y y me dijo sobre los planes que tenían conmigo con, 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 con los juegos y yo le dije que yo estaba ahí para lo que sea porque eh, yo juego para el equipo y nada eh, se sintió bien bien cómodo uh, it was it was great it was good that he was there he was very sincere with uh, the the message he delivered uh, about the team uh, what he wants for me for the team and for me, I felt very comfortable that he was there and give, give me that talk. It, it, that conversation, is that different from previous places? Esta conversación es diferente como las cuatro organizaciones que has jugado después? Antes? Sí, muy, muy, muy diferente porque eso se ve poco. Eh, alguien y hablar contigo donde tú vives y, y decirte las cosas personal. No, it's, it's very different, you know, it's a lot more personal. You know, you don't see that that often, uh, a gesture like that coming to my house from, from someone like him. And it shows the way you're playing right now, too. Uh, I, I'm curious, when you were little, were you always a center fielder? Cuando era niño, siempre ha sido jardinero central? ¿Sabes? Cuando uno, uno estaba pequeño, eh, uno lo ponía en diferentes posiciones, pero siempre me ha llamado más la atención siempre ser a Ofio. Yeah, as a kid, one is always playing all kinds of different positions. You know, it was just normal what everyone did, but as I was getting older, I realized center fielder, I felt pretty good there. How old? ¿Cuántos años tenías cuando... Uh, uh, Solamente uh, has jugado uh, jardinero central. So, yo puedo, yo puedo decir que eh, yo comencé desde chiquito a los siete años, mm -hmm. seis años. Entonces, eh, como a los nueve años, yo ya jugaba center field. I started playing when I was about seven, six, seven years old, but when I was about nine years old is when I started playing center field more often. And when you were young, who was your favorite center fielder? Cuando era niño, ¿quién es tu, tu jardinero central favorito? Siempre decía Ken Griffey Jr. Always said Ken Griffey Jr. Good, good choice. What's better for you, a great catch or a home run? ¿Qué te gusta más, un gran jugador defensiva o un home run? 
jugada defensiva para mí. For me, it's the, the defensive play. Why? ¿Por qué? Porque un ejemplo, tú puedes estar bateando, tú coges tres turnos, tú puedes, tú tienes chance de pegar un jonrón, pero muy difícil tú hacer una gran jugada en el oficio, tú sabes si le van a dar por ahí o le dan para refío o le dan para el refío. Uh, as a as a batter, you can, you know you can get three opportunities to hit three at bats, and you may may not hit a home run. In the outfield, or you have a chance to hit more chance to hit a home run in center field. You don't even know if the ball will get hit to you. If it's going to get hit to right field, to left field, so I think defensive play. You always play with a lot of energy. Um, who in your family is similar to you? Juegas con mucha energía. ¿Quién en tu familia es así? Mi madre. My mother. Mi madre, mi madre tiene mucha energía y y tiene la la vibra bien fuerte. Yeah, my my mom, she she has a lot of energy and she really has really strong vibes as well. Y mi papá también, mi papá jugaba basketball y era muy bueno también. Yeah, my dad as well had good energy. He was a basketball player and so he was really good at that as well. What position? ¿Qué posición? Basketball. Sí, la la Defendiendo como, como, como abajo de la cancha. He was more of a defender, probably like in the line, under, uh, more closer to the line. La cosa. Yeah, more of a rebound, more of a rebounder. Okay. How important is family in your life? ¿Qué importante es tu familia en tu vida? Bueno, mucho porque eh, de mí que eh, se sostienen y eh, yo soy el que, tú sabes, eh, le todo a mi padre, a mi madre también. Tú sabes, por mí es que yo, tú sabes, tienen de comer en su casa. No, a lot. They mean a lot to me. They're they're sustained now because of me, my mom and dad. They're, they can eat because of me. Tell me about your tattoos and which ones are most important for you. Dime sobre tus tatuajes y cuáles son los más importantes. El más importante es el que el nombre de mi hijo. Se llama Jose Siri Jr. The most important one to me is the one in my arm. It's Jose Siri Jr., which is my son. Y el que tengo de Jesucristo aquí. Pero prim primero el de Jesucristo y después de mi hijo. The, the other one on my shoulder is a picture of Jesus Christ. I would say that's probably my most important one and then the one of my son. So family and religion, very important. Tu familia religiosa es lo más importante para ti? Sí, mi familia religiosa es... Le van más al cristianismo y, y sí, eh, todos son así. Yeah, my family, we're pretty religious. You know, we follow Christianity. And this family, your your team is a close family. Who is your closest friend friend on this team? En este equipo, ¿quién es tu amigo más cercano y por qué? Franco, porque, porque Franco es como yo. Say Franco because Franco is a lot more like me. What are your favorite moments with this team so far? ¿Cuáles cuáles son tus momentos favoritos con este equipo y por qué? O sea, o sea, juegos o algo. Or moments. El momento de cuando estábamos jugando contra Texas. Mm -hmm. Yo pego un ron y también di un hit para empatarlo y eso.
There's a game against Texas where I hit uh, I hit a home run and I also got a base hit that tied the game that game. When you hit a home run, cuando uh, tienes un home run, uh, you flex the uh, your muscle. Why do you do that? Por qué? Por qué esto? Porque estoy demostrando el rayo, el rayo que tengo aquí en el brazo. Tengo un rayo y por eso llego como que el rayo. I'm showing off the, the the lightning bolt tattoo to let everyone know I'm I'm at Rayo. I'm the Ray. Perfecto, perfect. Uh, when you aren't playing baseball, what else do you like to do? Cuando no estás jugando baseball, ¿qué te gusta hacer? Bueno, molestar a los muchachos y hacer travesía aquí en el dogado, como como por ejemplo cuando estábamos en los Yankees con dos bolones en la cabeza. I like to just to, to mess around a little bit with my teammates. I like to, to bother them a little bit, you know, play around in the clubhouse. Like in New York, I had the lollipops in my hair, stuff like that. And when you're at home, uh, cuando en casa, ¿qué, qué te gusta hacer? Eh, en casa, bueno, eh, igual, eh, molesto un poquito a los muchachos, cojo par case, eh, molesto a los que están en el case, mm. a veces entro. Uh, vuelvo y salgo y me pongo a hacer cosas con la cámara y cosas así. No, the, the same, you know, just kind of <laughs> hang out and just bother my teammates, you know, even if in here, if I'm not playing, I'll go to the cage, come out, come out here, even mess around with the camera a little bit. And do you like, do you have any hobbies? Do you like cooking? ¿Tienes los hobbies o cocinar? ¿Qué te gusta? Bueno, me gusta, yo juego mucho PlayStation, es mi hobby tranquilo en casa. I like to be nice and relaxed and play some video games, a little PlayStation at home. Which games? ¿Qué, qué juegos? Bueno, yo juego Rainbow Six, uh, Rainbow Six Six, uh, Brawlhalla también. Uh, tengo Fortnite, tengo Call of Duty, cosas así también. Some Call of Duty, Fortnite, Brawlhalla. Brawlhalla? Mm-hmm. Are you good? Brawlhalla. Bearhalla. Okay. Are you good? Is that bueno? Rainbow Six, I'm a little good. Yeah, pretty good. And and what programs on TV? What shows? ¿Qué qué programas y películas te gusta mirar? Yo veo programas en YouTube mayormente, así, tú sabes, veo a los foques, music, así, cosas de mi país. A lot of stuff on YouTube I like to watch, you know, whether it's music videos or just stuff about my country I like to see. And in baseball, how do you want to grow and improve this year? Uh, por este equipo, ¿cómo quieres mejorar este año? Eh, bueno, eh, y la defensa yo sé que está ahí. Eh, seguir bateando más. Yeah, I know the, the defense is always going to be there, but just, just to bat a little bit better, to hit a little bit better. So far, so good. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I wish you continued success. Gracias por tu tiempo y el éxito continuo. Gracias, gracias a ti por tenerme presente y un placer. Thank you, thank you for, for being present, and, and it's a pleasure. That is Jose Siri with Manny Navarro. We'll continue with more of This Week in Rays Baseball right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, really great to hear from Jose Siri in our last segment. Certainly, he's been a big part of the first couple months of this season. And joining me now is Brian Anderson of Valley Sports Sun. And, B.A., uh, 
May was the test of the schedule, and June, I guess, now is the test of travel and the weather. <laughs> yeah, certainly Boston has thrown a new a wrinkle into the weather. I'll tell you what, though. We, we've been fortunate. You know, since we've gotten back out on the road you know, last season, we have had some pretty good weather, so I guess you're due for a, a, a blip. But, yeah, you know, that was the big month. Everybody said, well, the Rays get off to a good start. Well, it was their schedule. You heard all the excuses. And then all of a sudden, everybody looks at the May schedule and says, look, they're, they're playing tons of teams that are going to vie for the playoffs, above 500, seemingly everybody was, and they went 17-12 and 12, and didn't particularly play their best baseball while going 17-12. and 12. So I think that speaks a lot to this team's staying power. Uh, they're not they're not going anywhere it's a really good team there's no doubt about it these numbers do not lie and here's what I looked at it all right you're two months in you've won 40 games four months left you win 15 games a month just 15 and that's a decent month you're at 100 victories boy you put it like that you're absolutely yeah that 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 is something uh listen they're they're on a great pace and and again it's there's nothing fluky about it now are there some some concerns sure you know you don't like to be down drew rasmussen at jeffrey springs you love that you got tyler glass now back but you know that's a concern although taj bradley he has really stepped up i think you know the last time that that we saw him uh, you know that's as good as he can throw the ball. I mean, that, that's as good as we've seen him throw the ball. Um, yeah, but he, you know, so you've got different guys that are that are chipping in. On top of that, you know, you 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 wonder about you know maybe some of the bullpen and getting them some rest, uh, getting Pete Fairbanks back. So yeah, it's not smooth sailing completely, but that goes for every team in baseball. I mean, that's just going to be part of it. So uh, you know, you understand that that's it, it is what it is. But but this team, there's so much depth. Uh, the guys love each other. They believe in each other. It's a close clubhouse, pulling in the same direction. You know, so you're you're excited about you know the future and what this team can do. Because to me, this team is not you know relevant games in September and get into the playoffs. This is a team that can hold the trophy. And I think these guys are starting to, if they already don't believe that, that they could be a, a special special team. A lot of baseball left, but they're off to a great start. And the fact that they went out, and look, we don't know what Robert Stevenson will be, but the fact that the Rays already went out and started to trade for a reliever and said, okay, let's continue to add pieces as we go, says to me that they see that too. Yeah, and you know what, Stevenson, that's going to be a really interesting guy because when you look at his the, the two pitches, the fastball, the slider, and the pitch attributes, you start to see the wheels in motion in the Rays pitching lab where you get a fastball that's 97 miles an hour, and while it's got great velocity, it's got good movement to the horizontal and good movement to the to the vertical. N- not elite in either one, but good movement in two different planes at 97 miles an hour. And if you look at how he's used that pitch, he has not used it at the top of the strike zone very much at all. In fact, I think it was a season ago where top third of the strike zone, 15% of his pitches, the four seam was up there. You can already envision that because guess what? His slider has good depth to it, and he spins it really tight. So now all of a sudden you start to talk about pitch shaping. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Kyle Snyder does to him, but he definitely has some attributes that the Rays, I think, can maximize. And they've maximized their position players. I mean, I think that's the story, right, of the first two months, is how much they've gotten out of the group offensively? Without a doubt. I mean, that was the offseason. You you need a left-handed power bat because the team, you need to score runs and and build that up because of, you know, last season. They scored 200 fewer runs than they did the year before. So they stand pat, you know, hope for better health, and hope that some guys take that next step. 
And I think that uh, maybe a change in philosophy, you know, Chad Matola challenging his hitters to be more selective at the plate, to look for pitches earlier in counts that they can drive instead of just swinging at strikes that, you know, could be pitchers strikes. Look for a pitch that you can do damage on. Now with two strikes, you've got to protect and you may have to expand the zone. But before that, look for something to drive. And the buy-in's been incredible. You know, when you look up and down this lineup, uh, you know, where you're starting to see numbers, you know, behind the scenes come in where swing rates maybe have gone down, hard hit rates have gone up. That's right there is a sign of being a little bit more selective. You know, Isak Paredes using right field more. Josh Lowe, you know, shortening up some of his holes in his swing and fouling off the tough pitch now, not swinging through it to maybe get another one that he can handle. So you're seeing guys take that next step, Yandy Diaz, with, with the home run. You know, we only knew he hit the ball hard. He could hit the ball for average and, and on base percentage because he's got a good eye and understands the strike zone. But now he's picking his spots to try to try to lift something and try to hit it hard in the air. And you're seeing the home run totals, go, you know, shoot way up. So, so many guys have taken that next step that there's no doubt that that's the story because, once again, you're, you're, you're this deep into the season and you're still, you know, in Major League Baseball in home runs and still bases you're right there and and you've got a little buffer zone too so it's it's pretty amazing what they've been able to do there was one guy in that group you didn't mention yet and that's randy rosarena he walked 20 times in the month of may he had 23 walks in each half last year so you take a look at that and think Boy, he has changed his approach. Yeah, again, it's you know being selective, not being so freewheeling with his swing. The thing that I've noticed about him, and and he was an easy tell. You know, you, you go back to that run in 2020 in the playoffs, ten home runs, and just was dialing up everything. Line drives with carry to you know gap to gap, such a dangerous bat. But the one thing that you notice about Randy, he would get on a hot streak like that, and then he would almost start to get greedy. He would think, it was almost like, I'm going to do more now. And as soon as he started to do that, you would see the hands, instead of being direct and compact to the baseball and through the baseball, you'd see the swing get long. You would see the, the hands push away from the body and the swing get, gets long. When that happens, you open up holes. And all of a sudden, he would go into a little, little tailspin. The thing that I've noticed about Randy this season is those episodes are very short. Very short. He may get long for a game or an at-bat, but then it ends right there. And he gets right back to being direct and compact to the baseball. And if he can stay disciplined in his swing path, he will put these numbers up all year long, I promise you. You brought up Yandi. For me, he's the team MVP for the first two months of the year. Fair or unfair? Um, no, I think that's completely fair. You know, I think you, obviously you can make a case for Shane McClanahan, but uh, but Yandy Diaz, what he's been able to do, you know, he's been in that top two, top three of OPS in Major League Baseball all season. And it's because he's taken his bat-to-ball skills. He's always been known to hit the ball hard. That's why the Rays traded for him. He's, he can use the middle of the field, and we know that he can hit the ball uh, the other way. And now that he feels comfortable enough in his approach around the league, with certain uh, pitchers, how they're attacking him, how he's feeling at the plate, that he's taking chances earlier in counts now to maybe get a ball airborne. You know, career-high fly ball rate, and he's picking his spots to cut it loose. And now all of a sudden you have 
the best of all the worlds. You have the guy who understands the strike zone as well as anybody in the league and will take his walks. He's hitting for a high average. That translates into a high on base percentage because of the ability to take those walks. And now with that long ball aspect of his game and the extra base hit, now you get the slug. And that's why that OPS has been in the four digits all year. And you expect that he could probably keep it there because he is a very, very disciplined hitter up there. He's a, he's a tough guy to face to start off a game let me promise you and I think is also a tough guy to face and he's been hitting mostly ninth as the guy we had on last segment in Jose Siri how much better has he been offensively than you would have thought to this point of the season I think we all expected really good defense yeah for sure and the question was what was the offensive ceiling for him um you know he he has a very aggressive swing there's no question about that. So he, he's going to run into some strikeouts, and, and, and there, there's some swing and miss there and everything else. But, but he's a leveraged athlete. You, know, you watch him go get a ball. You watch the jumps that he goes and gets out in center field. Quick twitch. He's got quick twitch muscles. So he's got a fast bat. He's got a fast bat, and he's a lanky athlete. So when he gets it started and gets it through that zone and catches a hanger out in front of the plate, it's going to go. It's going to go. I mean, he's getting the, doing a great job of getting the ball in the air, and this home run stretch that he's been on uh, from May here into early June has been, you know, it's been beyond impressive. I mean, he led the team in homers in May. Who would have put their money down on that? No chance, but he did. But, you know, again, it's that leverage swing. He's an athlete, and, uh, you know, he, he contributes on, on both sides, and you can hide him down there in the nine hole. He'll run into that home run for you, you know, and at the same time, if he finds his way on base, he can run. He can take the extra base. He can swipe a bag like most guys in this lineup can. Speaking of that, the stolen bases, 50-plus in the month of May alone, and I think this team still can continue to be at that similar pace going forward. Listen, they've opened up the playbook. They didn't need the stolen base early on in the season because they were just bludgeoning teams. And, you know, and the long ball was there. So they didn't need to run. Then, you know, all of a sudden the, the schedule gets a little tougher. Uh, you know, this, the season has settled in. Guys are feeling more comfortable with the pitchers, you know, disengagements and how they're being used. Maybe they're starting to find ways to use the pitch clock against the pitcher. All of these things have come into play, and it's like the guys said, okay, boys, it's time. And they flip the switch, and off they go. And what a nightmare to face a team that if you hang one, they're going to bang it for extra bases, maybe a home run. And if you let them on base, and like I said, almost to a man, you, you, you get them on first base, and now you've got to worry about that aspect of the game because they're letting people know, you know, <laughs> listen, we're going. I mean, they, they are, are, are – everybody is aware of the Rays running game now, and so that's something else that these teams have to game plan for, and that's not a whole lot of fun. Well, it's been a lot of fun enjoying these first couple months. Uh, a walk has been as good as a double. Uh, these guys have hit homers. They've done a lot of good things, a lot of things really well in B.A. It's been fun. I know we're going to chat about it plenty of times during the course of the season. We certainly appreciate the time and conversation on This Week in Race Baseball. Yeah, listen, thanks for having me, and I'll add one more thing. Uh, it's been a great you know, couple of months to start the season, but this is a hungry group. This is a hungry, driven group, so they're not going to take their foot off the gas pedal. They, I think they want to prove a point to Major League Baseball and all, all the fans that this isn't just you know, some team that got off to a, a, a great start because they didn't play anybody. This is a real team, and these guys are playing with a chip on their shoulder. That's not going to change. Well, we appreciate the time of one Brian Anderson of Bally Sports Sun, and we're joined right now by Kevin Eibach, 
Vice President of Player Personnel for the Rays. And uh, Kevin, this is kind of a unique time period for you guys. Um, it's well before the trading deadline, but you also have some needs with some of the way the, the pitching staff has had either injury and also um, some of your depth has been taken away. Yeah, we're, as we turn the calendar into June, it's, uh, as you mentioned, uh, a little bit earlier than, than the typical trade deadline and when teams often start exchanging phone calls and exchanging names. Um, usually that happens weeks in advance of the deadline, not months. Um, but in our case, yeah, we have had some injuries and we've had um, you know, our, our minor league inventory even being depleted a little bit. So we've had to pick up the phone a little bit earlier this year um, and make those phone calls and just, uh, you know, canvas all corners and make sure that there are not players out there that are available today that might be able to help us, um, you know, for the whole month of June, July, you know, and hopefully the rest of the season. Let's kind of look at how we got here. Some of it is guys who had out clauses. Some of the guys were claimed on waivers. You know, I look at a group, let's say, which began probably with Colton Brewer um, and then Heath Embry and Zach Birdie, guys that you guys have lost to either waiver claims or became free agents. Um, on top of, I guess, the injuries. Sure. I mean, I think our group does a wonderful job every offseason in trying to reestablish our depth at the minor league level. And I, I think we often sit there and look in the mirror and say, did we sign enough players? Did we, do we have enough arms? And I think the answer, having done this for 23 years, is you can never have too many arms. Um, just the nature of pitching, the amount of injuries um, across baseball this year, um, you can never have too much depth at the AAA level. And so when you're going out, you only have 16 pitching slots in Durham to fill out, and you have some homegrown players that have to factor into that as well. But when you go out to sign the Colton Brewers and the Heath Embrys and some of the more established uh, arms in the offseason, you're doing so knowing that their time with you may be days, weeks, if not months, um, you know, and you may have to turn those slots into somebody else that can help you in June and July. And the challenge is, too, when your record is as good as yours, if let's say there's a waiver claim or a guy that you're interested in, you guys are at the, the bottom of the barrel in terms of pick the, the pecking order. Yeah, that, that's frustrating because I think that we, uh, you know, we have a really good process when we when we work the waiver wire, and a lot of people put a put a lot of effort into trying to find some undervalued names that are out there that, um, you know, that we think we may be able to tweak here and there and make them a little bit better with us than they were elsewhere. And I think, um, you know, Zach Latell is a good example of somebody that absolutely did get to us on waivers, but I think those guys are more of the exception and not the rule, given where we are in the standings and where we are on the waiver claim process. And two. For instance, Jay Diekman, you're a veteran who becomes a free agent. You have to almost look at guys who I would think are, you know, potentially may go through waivers and can become a free agent at some point, whether it's minor or major league. Yeah, and I think Jake, in, in Jake's case, he has a lot of lived experiences that some others in our bullpen or some others in Durham don't have. And that always factors in as well because, uh, you know, when you are playing well and you do have high expectations, uh, you want some people who've been there and done that before when, you know, the games get a little more tense down the stretch. So um, having an opportunity to go out and bring Jake on and kind of give him a trial here and see, uh, see how he does is something that, in a way, it was a, is a good opportunity that we could afford our group to uh, kind of inject some lived experience into there and, um, you know, see how that plays out, not only for Jake, but for the rest of our bullpen and, um, you know, kind of raise the floor. In terms of what you guys are looking for at this point, you know, there, there is you have had starter injuries with Springs and Rasmussen. Is the greater need the bullpen and the length or is the greater need to find, let's say, additional depth in terms of bulk pitching options. 
I think the easy answer to that is yes. Um, all pitchers, uh, please apply. But no, um, I think when we're going out and scouring the market for pitching, um, certainly any arms that can give us, you know, more than just one inning, um, whether that is, is a true bulk uh, pitcher, you know, that maybe can turn a lineup over, or it's someone that can at least give you one plus or two innings. I think a, a lot of times, you know, the way you want to protect your pitchers, the way you want to protect your starters, um, you know, length length is very much a necessity as we as we navigate our way through the season. Season. So whether it's calling somebody up for AAA, um, you know, with Joe LaSorsa this past week coming up and being able to provide a couple innings, um, I, I think the length is very much important to, to what we're trying to accomplish. Now, there are probably some minor some uh, minor league pitchers right now. They might have June 1 out clauses, July 1 out clauses. Is that become a piece of all this? And, and how big a, a factor is that right now when maybe teams aren't as willing to trade? Absolutely. When you're looking at out clauses or assignment clauses, um, you know, certainly, as you mentioned, we lost a Colton Brewer to, to one of those clauses ourselves. Um, but as players may re-enter the free agent market due to one of those clauses, we have to do our due diligence and make sure that we're in position and offer the opportunity because that's more of a free market. When somebody takes an out clause and they have an opportunity to pick their, you know, choose their own adventure, if you will, um, you know, I, I think some of the selling points with us is obviously how we use our bullpen, the amount of opportunity you might have here. We leave no stone unturned. Um, and then kind of where we are in the standings. I think, you know, hopefully that people, um, you know, when they look at different opportunities, they want to into a competitive environment and want to play meaningful games not only in June but hopefully in September and October as well. One area where you guys have found at times arms and I go back to Dietrich Enns is one is the independent leagues. How, how much is there out there because there are less minor league teams now that is an opportunity for some guys to get reps. Yeah, and, and I think that we we have to scour independent baseball. You have some veteran arms that have major league service time. Um, in a league like the Atlantic League, you'll have younger arms. Uh, we signed a, uh, a youngster named Jackson Lancaster, a lefty out of the Pioneer League, um, just a few weeks ago. And so I think regardless of level, whether it's true major league insurance or it's just insurance for the Charleston River Dogs, I think you have to be able to um, – you know, again, leave no stone unturned and go out to the independent leagues and see what's out there and what's available to help you. In terms of the idea of trading, you know, I think back to a couple of years ago when you guys made a really big move involving Willie Adamas and Drew Rasmussen and J.P. Fireeyes in, in May. But how likely are, are significant trades before the month of July? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think they're difficult. It's it's certainly for not for a lack of effort. Um, you know, several of us here in the office have been making phone calls and work the phones like we do every May and every June, um, just trying to get ahead of things. There's no sense to wait until the July trade deadline if you can engage and potentially execute a trade in May or June because you just have that player that much longer. Um, so, I, I again, it's not for a lack of effort. I think to get the other side to engage with you this early is, is not always easy. I think especially with the expanded playoffs that most teams are still trying to navigate where they are in the standings at this time of year and are not sure whether they should be trading somebody because they might be on the fringes of a wild card now and they might not be you know at the end of July so I think there is a little bit of hesitation just within the industry to execute a trade but also um, you know knowing if you're going to make a trade, even if you are a true seller at this time of year, are you going to get more value in July? I think that's the that's the risk management that every organization has to make. Could you trade a reliever in July for 2x than you are today? Sure. 
Are you also absorbing some potential injury risk or performance risk by waiting and holding that player? Absolutely. So balancing that is probably uh, you know a conundrum for every front office out there uh, that might be in a position uh, to be a seller. Yeah, how much of the the recent history plays into that, Kevin? And what I mean by that is Philadelphia was a sub-500 team, ended up in the World Series last year. The Nationals were a 19-31 and 31 team, won the World Series. Atlanta was a 500 team for the first three, four months of the year before they made their World Series run and won it. Maybe more so in the National League than the American League right now. It seems to be a lot more teams are bunched up kind of in that where-are-we mode. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously it speaks for itself that the American League is, East is as good as it is, you know, annually, um, certainly this year. But I think in every division, there's not a whole lot of separation um, to where if you get on a hot streak and, you know, we did our part and won a lot of games at the beginning of the season, but that could happen to another team in June or July and completely change the outlook on the rest of the season. So uh, for very good reason, I think there are a lot of front offices out there that just kind of want to see that through um, and want to make sure that they're doing right by their organization to, you know, stay in the mix and see where the chips fall, you know, come two, three weeks from now and then maybe reevaluate. But that shouldn't stop us from having conversations because I think, and and I've mentioned to you this before, but every time we make a deal, it's usually not 24 to 48 hours of work. It's weeks or months of of prep work to get to that point. And there's a lot of conversations uh, that may look like you're kind of running into a dead end that eventually lead to a subsequent conversation that leads to a trade. And one other piece of this is we've talked about looking outside, but part of that is also knowing what you have inside. How much time is spent looking at your own guys uh, the health of certain players, guys who are on rehab, either at the minor or major league level, that could help some down the road and getting a feel for where the needs actually are. Yeah, personally speaking, that's why I spend a lot of time at Durham in April, May, June, just trying to get a good feel for our players um, that are there that can help us internally. Um, you know, certainly get a really good look at them during spring training, but players change. And, um, you know, what they may look like, a pitch they may have added, a swing change they may have um, undertaken between April and June may result in a little bit different of a profile that we can access and use at the major league level. So keeping tabs on those players is the utmost performance, um, you know, as performance kind of wanes or, or, or does well, um, just being down there and being able to have those conversations with Michael Johns and his staff in Durham and seeing those players yourself, I think really puts you in a better position to understand what you have under the hood. Good stuff, Kevin. We appreciate a few minutes on this week in race baseball and uh, happy hunting. Thanks, Neil. That's Kevin Eibach, again, Vice President of Player Personnel for the Rays. We'll continue with this week in race baseball in just a moment. You are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. We've told you that last homestand really was a homecoming of sorts for several. When the Dodgers came to town... It was Andrew Friedman, who now heads up baseball operations for L.A., who came back to Tropicana Field for just the second time since departing from the Rays. He certainly was a big part of the first run to the World Series, 
But he had some interesting stories that we hadn't heard before, including how he first got to know Eric Neander, who currently heads up race baseball operations. Yeah, he was uh, an intern in 07, and I had not interacted with him much. And as we were going through the trade discussions with the twins, the Delman Young, Matt Garza, Jason Bartlett trade, I remember walking out of my office one night really late and no one was around but Eric. So I went up to him and said, hey, the twins are asking us about Brendan Harris and Ben Zobrist and curious for your thoughts on their defensive value. And then didn't think anything of it, turned around, went back to my office, did some stuff, left, came back in the next morning, and Eric was sitting at his desk, going to my office, and he had slid a two-page essay uh, under my door um, with his thoughts to my question, which now in hindsight turned out to be 100% accurate, but it was how thoughtful the take was. Um, it was very nuanced and displayed exceptional feel for the game. And from that moment on, started bringing him into more meetings and um, became you know, a huge part of what we did from that moment on. Did you keep the essay? I don't know if I still have it. I'd love to go through some old files and see if I still do. I don't know. One more for me. I had many talks with you. And there was a point where you even mentioned the possibility of worried about burnout. What has allowed you to continue to be as driven as you are, as competitive as you are, and continue to strive and stay in the game? That's a good question. I don't know that I have the answer to it. Um, I'm afraid to slow down at all. Uh, I, I love having collective group success. And... There are so many hours that go into this from so many different people and just how closely you're working with a large group of people um, is where I derive a lot of my own personal satisfaction. And so I feel like taking my foot off the pedal is doing a disservice to all of these people that I work with who are working their tails off to you know, help achieve, uh, you know, a high level of team success and you know I think achieving that as a group the you know the ups and downs that come with that is something that I draw a lot of personal satisfaction from and if I ever get to a point where I'm not then it's time for me to step away. Good stuff from Andrew Friedman also had a chance to chat with Jake McGee who played for the Rays and the Dodgers and officially retired as a Ray during the Dodgers series, and I asked Jake about his time here and why that was so important to him. Um, for me, it's kind of where I started, and uh, I got drafted when I was 17 and was in the organization for 11 years, and, you know, I got my opportunity and learned a lot from all their pitching guys throughout the years and learned how my stuff played really well, and that pretty much got me, you know, I was able to play 13 years in the big leagues, but it was kind of Tampa and all the memories there. And, you know, it was just, you know, it's been a long time in Tampa overall, just nice. What uh, mattered to you when you came back and how nice was it to be back for a little bit? Uh, it was really nice to be back and throw out the first pitch and um, see everyone from 
the security there and the ushers and you know that's what means the most to you know me and my family is you know make an impact in that way and then be able to see everyone to like Friedman and Neander and Silverman to Scott Kersey catch my first pitch and you know he used to catch he used to catch me in the off seasons at University of Tampa like this just goes goes pretty deep it's nice. Now, how much time did you spend in the off seasons here? Were you here for a good portion until you moved out of the uh, organization? Uh, yeah, we were there from full time 2012 ish till 2020. So probably like eight years, over eight years there. And, you know, we worked out in the University of Tampa with a lot of other guys and stuff and worked out the trap when I was still with Tampa. But um, it, it was good. How difficult was it for you um, to retire after last season? Because I know in 21, you had a great year. You had over 30 saves. Yeah, I had a really good year in 21. Uh, and then 22, uh, you know, I my knee was kind of given out a little bit. And then when I got let go and went from the Giants to the Brewers and then was there for three weeks and then went to the Nationals for like three weeks, it was just too much and being away from family and then um, – not knowing where I'd be the next year. And, you know, I think it was just time for my body and my knee and, you know, just everything was kind of breaking down. I was, you know, happy to end it when I wanted to and on my terms, which is nice. There's not many players who get to do that. How old is uh, your daughter now? Uh, Roan's eight years old. Uh, she's in second grade now. Yeah. So, so how much did that play into it too? Because she got to see you play. Uh, she gets to see what daddy did for a living, but there's probably something that's tugging at you at that age also. Yeah, definitely. And she um, she would notice a lot more when I'd be gone. And, you know, she it was very fortunate for the playing with the Giants. So it was only three and a half hour drive from Reno. So that helped a lot. And then realizing if I played another year, I could be on any team and then wouldn't seem as much. And, you know, she's eight now and she's into sports now. And actually... I signed up and I'm assistant coach for a softball team. So we've been doing that lately. How hard is that uh, as a, as a dad of a child on the team and you want to help, but you also want to know when to back off as a parent, you got to can't find that balance. Yeah, no, that's why I, I thought I'd have a little harder time with it, but it's been, it's been pretty good because she loves it and all of her teammates are good and um, just trying to coach enough, but not too much and not try to separate her, which is good. And she's, He's had a good time. You have a, a low key personality. Do they, do the other parents know who you were or have um, any idea? The head coach knew. And then there, a lot of the parents figured it out after a couple of weeks and they're like, Oh, like I grew your name and then didn't realize you played for so long in the big leagues. <laughs> and then the girls on the little girls on the team started figuring it out too. And you know, it, it, it's, it's been really cool. Tell me what stands out when you look back at your career. I mean, you mentioned parts of 13 seasons in the, plus in the big leagues, and you, I assume you got your your 10 years plus to get the pension. I mean, that that means a lot too, but what do you what stands out to you overall? Um, for me, just being able to play so long and then doing really well in Tampa and then having ups and downs in Colorado. And then when I went to the Dodgers and kind of found myself again and you know, got a second end of my career, which is really nice. And I got like three more years out of it. But overall, I think my career, like having success, just throwing my fastball and sticking with that. And the times when I wasn't doing good, I just wasn't staying with my strength. And once I figured that out again, 
been able to throw a fastball a couple years, I think like 97% of the time um, is pretty crazy when I think about it. Like I was only one pitch for 13 years, you know, so. There are very few relievers who can make that last. Uh, obviously, one of them was probably the best of all time. But what yeah. allowed your your one pitch to play as it did? Um, just even learning in Tampa to where like throw up in the zone with my fastball. The more I get it up there, um, and how my fastball moves because I had I learned later that I had two planes on my fastball, so has the rise and the horizontal. So once I learned that and realized if I get it up there, it's, the hitters are going to have a hard time doing it. And, you know, just being consistent with it helped a lot. And that is one Jake McGee. We wish him the best in his retirement. We appreciate having him. And also now Dodgers head of baseball operations, Andrew Friedman, on our latest 25th anniversary podcast. The full version will be up this coming week on Apple, Spotify, and also racebaseball.com. Really appreciate the time again of Jake McGee and also Andrew Friedman for being with us on our podcast today on our This Week in Race Baseball program. And want to give special thanks to all of our other guests on the show today, including outfielder Jose Siri, really insightful there, and appreciate the time of Manny Navarro, who translated for us there. Also appreciate uh, chatting with Brian Anderson, as always, from Bally Sports Sun and his insight on what the Rays have done well through the first couple months in collecting a 41-19 and record. The best mark still in Major League Baseball as we speak. And Kevin Ibach, the Vice President of Player Personnel for the Rays, for giving us a little bit of an inside look as to transactions that the Rays look into and how they evaluate their group, at least at this point of the season, what is most important to them. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me. You can do so at Neil Solons or at Rays Radio. Next week on the show, you'll hear from reliever Kevin Kelly about transitioning from Rule 5 pick to the major leagues and how he's done it so well. Thanks also today to Derek DuBose back in our network studios, plus assistance from Chris Miller, as well as Becca Carney, Parker Welch, Alex Fuse, and also Bruce Lane, our engineer on site here at Fenway Park. I'm Neil Solons. Thanks for listening. This is the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front, four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.